The Success Factor is hosted by Ernani Young, seasoned business executive, small business owner, and author of The Success Factor, Unconventional Wisdom for Small Business Success. Published by Morgan James Publishing Company and available worldwide through Amazon or online booksellers like Powell's, Barnes & Noble's, IndieBound in the U.S., and Chapters Indigo in Canada. The Success Factor is intended for those of you who want to have a go at owning their own business but aren't really sure how to get started. The Success Factor also addresses some of the most common reasons why businesses don't succeed, most of which boils down to an over-reliance on conventional thinking. For witty antidotes, Ernani will show listeners how to challenge unconventional wisdom while building the framework to navigate through uncertainty and achieve your small business goals successfully. Listeners may also go to our site, www.successfactormedia.com, for today's show notes. Hi, this is Ernani Young, and thank you very much for joining us for another podcast episode of The Success Factor. Today's discussion topic is entitled, Money, What is Your Plan to Make It? And during our conversation, we'll deal with proven methods for small businesses to make money consistently, frequently, and abundantly. One of the many privileges of being an author is that I am granted the liberty to express my opinion this opinion originates from a combination of my viewpoints, my experiences, my learnings from others, my teachings, my readings, and in general, my existence here as a living and breathing human being on this great planet Earth. As part of that, I have my own theory or viewpoint related to the subjects of commodities, of which money, today's topic, is one of them. I believe there are four basic commodities. And when I say commodities, I'm really going so far out as to include everything from gold, to soybeans. But my list is a shorter one and includes what I consider to be the basic four. They are number one, water, number two, land, number three, heat or energy, number four, money. What do I mean by this and why do I consider them the basic four? Well, let me show you as I walk you through them one by one. First off, number one, water. Water is the essence of everything we are as living organisms. It is no coincidence that we as humans are approximately 70% water, and the planet Earth is also 70% covered with water. God, in his infinite wisdom, made us and the Earth this way so that we can have water in abundance. Water is essential to our living processes, everything from digestion to plant and cell growth, and is the most basic commodity of all. That is why I'm starting this conversation about commodities and the basic four with number one, water. Number two, land. Without land, what would we inhabit? As creatures, we have to live and inhabit someplace or something, so land as a commodity has existed since the beginning of time, and land and its various forms as something to inhabit, to acquire, to trade, and to monetize and to value is the second of my four basic commodities. Number three, heat or energy. In the beginning of the ages, when man discovered fire, he simultaneously discovered the element or commodity which he would use to revolutionize his very existence. Because with fire or heat, he would be able to cook food, thus allowing us the millions of ways we have been able to feed ourselves, thus guaranteeing our continued existence and expansion as a species, 
We also use heat to transform elements into other more useful things like steel, plastic, or any of the millions of things we transform on a daily basis, including food I just mentioned. And lastly, we can use heat for power in the form of electrical, hydraulic, motor, or mechanical energy, which is in turn used to move cars, appliances, trains, ships, computers, and your smartphones. So heat or energy as our third basic commodity is an amazingly diverse and powerful commodity and has transformed our lives in more ways than we can ever begin to imagine. And now for the fourth and last basic commodity and the subject of today's podcast, we have money. At the most basic level, money fuels businesses, man's inventions, and man's dreams. And it is the single most basic measure of a business's success. Period. Businesses have the privilege of using money to grow and ultimately become successful, measured by how much money they ultimately produce or generate, or not. It's that easy. So we as small business owners have a clear and finite reward of our time and efforts when it relates to our businesses. Simply put, whether they produce money consistently, frequently, and abundantly. So that's why today, as part of the series of podcasts I'm producing, money will occupy center stage and will be the topic of our discussions under the question, money, what is your plan to make it? If your business model has passed the abilities test, recall this was our last podcast topic. That is, you found it can pass mustard when it comes to the five abilities. Namely, is it scalable, replicable, sustainable, profitable, and certifiable? It's time to move on to the central question of how do you plan to make money? Business models have nuances for each industry or sector. As you dig deeper, you will see that there are also many options and variables of the basic financial model practiced within your own industry. With creativity and a desire to balance the abilities and at the same time create a differential for your company's product or service offering, let's explore the following alternatives within the money-making dimension of your business model. We'll start with the basics. Number one, how will you bill? Will it be by the hour, by the project, by retainer? by charging monthly or annual fees, or even usage fees. Number two, how will you collect? Will partial fees be due upfront, or is payment due in full at order placement or upon delivery of your product or service? Number three, will you offer credit? If you finance your customers' purchases, what are the terms, credit limits, and default rates commonly practiced in your industry and in your market? What can your business, from an operational and financial standpoint, allow? Meaning, since cash is finite and you need it to run your operation, how much more can you afford to, in turn, finance your customers? Number four, what are the standard payment terms? Are they 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days? As in the case of big box retailers, corporate clients, local and federal governments, or insurance companies, to name just a few, which require you to wait for payment, 
while you make payments to your own labor force, payroll taxes, and fixed and material costs every week? Number five, based on industry norms and market practices, how many of your customers are likely to be slow payers? Is the number 10% or bigger, maybe 25% or more? If many or the majority of your customers pay at an average of 45 days or more, where will you get the cash flow to survive on a month-by-month basis? Number six, what's the profile of your labor force? Will you use full or part-time employees or work with freelance professionals for flexibility to scale your workforce up or down depending on the volume of projects in the pipeline? Let's look now at some different options to the above questions to see how the chosen business models can and will affect day-to-day operations and cash flow to your business. Today, we're going to touch upon two of the more innovative options that you may want to consider, at least partially, as potential business models for your newly minted company, your small business, and as a tool for making money. The first involves creating multiple revenue streams for your business. And the second one is the money for equity model that has been made famous by reality shows like ABC's Shark Tank and CNBC's West Texas Investors Club. Both programs showcase the business model of entrepreneurs pitching business ideas in exchange for investment, equity, and ultimately access to the business acumen that made the millionaires on each show famous. Although one does it with three-piece suits and the other with cheap cigars in Miller Lite beer, a little bit more of my style. When considering alternative business models for your business, the question is not how you can make money, but rather How many different ways can you make money? And that speaks directly to developing multiple revenue sources as an add-on to your basic business model. Let's use an example to illustrate my point. Let's say you're Abe Lyman, and you've just launched Honest Abe's Not-So-Famous Ale, a craft beer designed and brewed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You've signed a few local distribution agreements with several beer distributors, and sales are chugging along. In general, life, beer, and business are good. But through your efforts on social media, you've noticed your beer sells particularly well in markets where there are large groups of actors and entertainers who have somehow identified with your not-so-famous logo because in reality, they all want to be famous, that is. So in markets like Las Vegas, with its casino entertainers, New York and Chicago with their Broadway shows and theaters, and Los Angeles, because of Hollywood, your beer sales are booming. So the question now becomes how to drive more business in addition to those you're already experiencing through direct sales in your normal channels. The answer, you leverage options presented by the multiple revenue source model. Here are a few suggestions using Honest Abe's not-so-famous ale as an example. Number one, you secure licensing from local breweries in the markets of Nevada, Illinois, New York, and California, obtaining royalties on sales plus the licensing fees to the craft brewers of Honest Abe's not-so-famous ale. You do this in each state where it is now being brewed. Number two, Explore selling over the internet on sites such as The Beer Connect, which sells craft beers online. Number three, develop export sales to Canada and Mexico 
as a result of the close physical connection or proximity of your licensed brewers in the states of New York for Canada and California for Mexico. Arriba, arriba. Number four. Is this idea capable of becoming a franchise? Meaning, can it be replicated easily in any number of geographic locations over and over again? If so, and I truly do, franchise it. And lastly, number five. You have connections with high-level people in the airports through your cousin Vinny in some of your key markets, and you get a license to set up a beer kiosk in the airports of the cities where you have established local brewing. Sales are not huge, but the marketing for Honest Abe's not-so-famous ale is priceless. And as a result, after a few short months, Abe's ale is no longer not-so-famous. So now instead of one traditional revenue source for your business, you now have potentially five additional revenue sources, which could include licensing fees based on beer production volumes, royalties on sales from your licensed brewers, sales commissions on internet sales, export sales revenues to two international markets, Canada and Mexico, and kiosk sales revenues. Obviously, this is a hypothetical example, but it shows you that with a little creativity, you can add one, two, three, four, five, or more new revenue streams to your core business model. And in this way, drive growth, make more money, and create a buffer against downturns in your traditional sales channels. Now, that's an idea that will make you famously successful any way you look at it. As mentioned a little earlier, our next idea comes from the basic premise of the two successful reality shows, Shark Tank and West Texas Investors Club, which both rely on entrepreneurs giving up an equity stake in their company in exchange for financing that is needed to further growth in their business. Financing needed to buy raw materials, complete a prototype, scale the operation, enter a major retail channel, or any number of other options. Does that sound familiar to you? As an alternative to conventional bank financing, the Shark Tank model offers startups or small businesses direct investment in exchange for equity in the company. Additional services which may be offered by the equity firm could also include access to select distribution channels like TV direct sales, large mass market retailers, or specialty channels, including the internet, financial management, tax planning, marketing services, partnerships, or even the preparation for an initial public offering or IPO or a sale of the company. How do you value an equity investment? Every situation in company is different and the actual valuation will depend on the combination of sales history, management expertise, company assets, intellectual property, technology, the number of years in business, etc. But in general, an estimation of the short-term annual sales of a company is made and the equity stake is a percentage of that investment. For example, Honest Abe's not-so-famous ale is currently doing $500,000 in annual sales. But after securing online beer sales contracts and an export sales contract plus kiosk sales for Chicago Hare Airport and the John Wayne Airports in Los Angeles, you are now projecting annual sales at $1.2 million. There's a catch, though. Honest Abe needs capital to ramp up production to meet the online and export sales figures, and kiosks cost $3,000 each, and you'll need 20 of them 
or roughly $60,000, just to start your business in all the terminals of these two airports. Total estimate for your new business development needs is $400,000, money that Honest Abe honestly just doesn't have. So if one could substantiate a new sales level of $1.2 million, then a $400,000 investment will represent a 33% equity stake in the company. Today, at the $500,000 sales level, the 33% stake is worth $167,000. If Abe gets to $1.2 million in sales, it will be worth the original investment amount $400,000. And if it grows successfully to say $5 million, the 33% investment will turn, and if it grows successfully to say $5 million, the 33% original equity investment will turn $400,000 into $1.65 million, or a 312.5% increase in investment. That's how the equity game plays out and how the sharks make or don't make their money. So the Shark Tank, or investment in exchange for equity, business model is an attractive one, but requires that a business owner have a viable and already lucrative business, which you may not yet have, as well as requiring the business owner to give up some control of the company. Whether this is a good or bad situation for the business owner depends on the owner and the partner he or she chooses. Recall that businesses, very much like marriage, are only as good as the partner you choose. So buyer beware and choose wisely. With risk, there is reward, but nothing is as straightforward as it seems on TV. And although attractive, this model which strikes a delicate balance between loss of control for a gain of capital is certainly a tricky one. Lastly, in this model, if it is successful, and at the end of say five years, the owner and their equity partner can sell the business, the returns can potentially be even higher. In the millennial world we live in today, this model may be as good as any, given the uncertainty of things due to the unprecedented speed of change and obsolescence. Here, the model of invest, build, grow, and sell may be the smartest unconventional wisdom I could ever offer you when it relates to business models and making money. Well, that's all for today. I'm Renani Young, and I hope you've enjoyed today's discussion. I look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of the Success Factor Podcast. Take care. Please visit our website at www.successfactormedia.com. Please follow Ernani on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. He is always happy to chat and answer questions there. And be sure to share this podcast with your friends. I hope you enjoyed the content of The Success Factor, and I hope that you'll visit our site to subscribe to our weekly podcasts. I sincerely thank you for joining us today and I hope you enjoyed the content. 
We know what busy lives all our listeners lead, and I want you to know that I really appreciate you taking the time to listen in with us today on the Success Factor podcast.